what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. And before he was famous for the slap heard around the world, uh, Will Smith could do no wrong. He was Mr. July 4th. He was the box office king. And if a new movie was coming out with Will Smith, you knew it was going to make money. It was going to be number one at the box office, and you knew people were going to be talking about it. And for the month of January, most of our focus is is going to be on Will Smith's hits and one very, very unsuccessful flop that he came out with. But uh, to start January, we're going to talk about Independence Day, not the sequel, the first one. And it has been a very long time. We just figured out that it's been since October 17th since we've been together, but Harrison from the basement binge and Rob, we are all back together and I'll start with Harrison. Welcome back. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. I, I told Matt and Rob this already, but this whole week I've been listening, binge listening to Matt goes to the movies, gearing up to be here again. I like have been counting down the days to be here. So thank you. Yeah, it's been a while, Rob. I mean, we've done things together. Um, pretty much consistently so far lately, especially coming up here with doing all of these. And then we're going to be talking about the last of us, but it's been a long time since we talked about movies with Harrison. Yeah. Uh, really looking forward to it. I'm glad that um, the last night episode got released. Um, it was actually fun to go back and re-listen to that. Cause it's like, I kind of forgot what we even talked about it, but um, yeah. So definitely go check that out. It is available wherever you get good podcasts. Yeah, I, I have not been able to check that one out yet. So I was uh, looking forward to listening to that tomorrow um, to check that out. And before we get into Independence Day, I do want to let listeners know that we do have another giveaway for listeners of this show. Uh, we just gave away copies of Smile, Jerry and Marge Go Large, and most recently the movie Devotion. But another giveaway comes in the form of the movie called On the Come Up, and it is starring a young gifted rapper who faces a dilemma on her way to stardom and learns it only takes one battle to change your life. Uh, it stars Jamila Gray, Devine Joy Randolph, Lily Yacht, and Cliff Method Man Smith. It is available to, available to buy on digital or DVD rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. So thank you to Map360 for sponsoring this portion of the show. And thank you once again, obviously, to the listeners and subscribe to our social media channel so you can find out how to win one of your free copies. But guys, like we were saying, you know, Will Smith, there wasn't a more bankable star back in the late 90s. Uh, well, early 90s. And, you know, this was really one of those movies was Independence Day. But something that I have a few different opinion, opinions on now that I've rewatched it. Um, I still enjoy this movie. But one of these things that was a little bit more difficult in Harrison, I'll get your opinion on this first for me to watch this movie and not so much overlook it. Um, way back when. It looked really good. There are some things that have not translated for me in terms of CGI. Um, some of these scenes in this movie were a little hard for me to look at. And I'm wondering uh, if either of you guys experienced that same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, have had this movie. 
as a 4K Blu-ray, someone gave it to me on my shelf forever, and I've never seen it. This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. So I was kind of excited. Like, the person who gave it to me was kind of boasting about how this is, like, one of the best 4K discs you got to have. So, like, my the bar had been set fairly high, and it started, and I was like, what is this guy talking about? Like, this does not look very good. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is that, like, I could see the visual effects and, like, respect what was done for the time and like how impressive it is technically for what was available then. But that doesn't mean that it looks good now. Um, like even some of the miniature work they did, which is like long story short is a similar technique that they used in the original trilogy for star Wars here. It looks just like very obvious and very toyish and very plasticky where in star Wars, it doesn't. And so I'm not sure what the disconnect is. Uh, so yeah, it, it did. And there were some scenes where I just looked just flat out bad. Yeah, Rob, did you um, do you have any of those same thoughts? Um, I, we saw that you definitely had a lot of thoughts on this movie. Um, so I actually feel like in some ways now I didn't watch this in 4K. I saw this just in, in an HD um, uh, format. To me, I I maybe I might just be an old man shouting at a cloud here, but um, you know, listeners of this show, if you've if you've been with with the show for a while, you'll know how much I hate bad CG, and you know, I've always preferred practical effects when you can do them. And to me, I would rather look at something that I know as a model than bad CG. I really, I really would. I I kind of like. It's because at least if it's a model, it's at least a real object. You might like if you if you if you know some things, you're going to probably be able to figure out that it's a model and that it's a you know a, a, a smaller version and some of the effects are put in after in, in post production. But I I personally still prefer on some of the effects from the nineties over what we're getting today, which is just a lot of CG that's lazily done and just slapped on top and. And more than anything, it's just because, I don't know, I, I feel like studios just feel like that's what we are okay with and they're just going to ship it out to us and we have to accept it. But yeah, there's there's definitely times where you can see some things that are like, okay, that doesn't really hold up super well. But um, to me, I, I kind of miss some of the days where most things were done practically as opposed to just, you know, cartoons. Yeah, no, I think that's... Uh... You know, I think that's a very valid point. And, you know, I, I watched this in 4K as well. So I think some of those things are a little bit more in your face when you're watching it in 4K, maybe over HD, because um, I've certainly seen that with some other movies. But, you know, the thing that doesn't, well, the age poorly about this movie to me is still the story and the performances. Um, you know, you have, I think, probably the best on-screen president in the history of movies um, in this movie with the best president speech of all time. Uh, but I still feel like there's a lot of great characters uh, in this movie. They're not over the top. You know, this is before Jeff Goldblum became a, you know, a meme, a walking <laughs> meme, and, you know, just a, a characterization of himself. But, you know, the story is very simple aliens come to earth and and we're gonna fight back but it's what happens in between and the relationships and i feel that one of the strong suits for me is that everything about these relationships feel very real 
even some of the stuff that Rob, you and I have talked about these things before could come off very tacky and cheesy and pushing it, especially um, the ex-husband and ex-wife relationship. I actually feel like that's all very well done. It's believable. Um, but Harrison, I'll, I'll go to you first with what are your thoughts on the relationships? Do you feel like that is because to me, without the special effects and everything and some of those things, you know, being a little bit more eyesore for me now this time watching it, the story is what still really holds it all together and allows me to to move past some of those things. Yeah, this was interesting for me to watch because Roland Emmerich, didn't he, isn't his most recent film Moonfall? If I'm understanding right. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. And, uh, listener, listen, listeners, I'm sorry that we have to... Uh, to bring that movie up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Uh, I should be careful. Uh, hit, because that movie, he has been like in my brain for some reason. Even though I've never seen any of his movies, but but people frequently saying that he 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 can do spectacle well, but he can't tell a good story. And the only good f- story he has is Independence Day. So I was kind of expecting what you were saying, Matt. Uh, the the story would be good. And and here's the thing: is that to me, it feels like. How can I say this the right way? It felt not quite documentary life, uh, but it feels like real life. Like, it doesn't feel like an over-dramatized story that, like, hey, we're telling this story about aliens and fighting back against them, so on top of that, let's give you, like, this really intense family drama. It's like, we're fighting against aliens, and we're going to give you the lives of the people fighting against the aliens, and, like, some of it's going to be a little have a little bit more depth than others. Uh, but for the most part, it felt that that was like the the realist part of the movie was just the 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 characters being uh people and being uh like very easily acceptable ver- characters and i think probably why that works and and it's funny cuz i i didn't really put my finger on it quite the way um the what you just described but what what you really notice when you watch this film, you know, from kind of more of a critical standpoint, it really whips around from character to character. It never really stays on one or two people's story for very long. So what it really allows you to do is it tells just the story it has to tell, and it doesn't have time to, you know, tell a subplot that nobody actually cares about or to have kind of a bad scene with a character because every scene that a character that they show is critical to moving the story along. There's no wasted time, really. Um, it's it's it just whips around from from, you know, story to story to story as part of this larger whole. It's almost like the book um, that the movie World War Z is based on a book. And it's it's almost kind of like that. It's it's each individual essay or, or narrative as part of that larger whole. Um, it's, I actually paused the movie to check it's 21 minutes into this movie before we even meet Will Smith's character. And he's probably the character Mm -hmm. you remember most from this movie. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people will, um, it's 21 minutes in before we even get to him. Um, but I look at this movie as the quintessential summer blockbuster. I mean, there's explosions, there's big action set pieces, there's great one-liners, there's some really badass moments, there's some very real emotional beats, you have formidable villains, you have great heroes. What else do you really want from a summer movie that you're just going to throw popcorn in your face and just... Listen, there are a litany 
of things that I could probably tear this movie to shreds for. And I'm not gonna like, I'll point out the things that are kind of dumb and don't make sense, but I don't care. Cause I love this movie. I, I literally like, there's just so many things that make absolute zero sense. And listeners, if you hate this movie, because so many of these things make no sense. Okay. I get it. Like I, I'm not going to try to change your mind, but I, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I I actually enjoy a lot about this movie, I, I really do. I, I thoroughly enjoy this. But one of the things that I enjoy most about it is, Rob, you said a formidable opponent, a threat. And I really do feel like, I mean, especially you see it throughout where they devastate, you know, major landmarks and everything like that. But the aliens, one, not only do I like their design, I really enjoy the design for this movie. But two, I felt like the way that they're actually taken down, I actually enjoyed it because I've recently watched another movie, uh, War of the Worlds, where I thought the way that that, you know, ends and concludes was very just like, oh, it's the natural atmosphere that hurts the aliens and over time, like they can't take it. For me, it was like, Okay, no, like this took not a miracle, but literally like just a throwaway line that somebody was smart enough to pick up on. And I feel like Jeff Goldblum's Goldblum's character in this movie is smart enough to just get an idea from just a common line about like, oh, get off the floor, you'll catch a cold. I actually enjoyed this. I enjoyed the fact that it felt like when they figured out a way that they might be able to launch an offensive against against the aliens it felt real it didn't feel like it was just a MacGuffin that happened i like that a lot which is fine like i'm gonna say there's there's things that don't make sense and i'm gonna just go ahead and get into one of them how does david actually hack an alien spacecraft using nothing but a macbook from 1995 like windows when windows 3.1 exactly (laughs) did he just go to his local radio shack and buy an adapter so he could plug into it like and i and i realized that anybody who's gen z right now is listening to this going what in the hell is a radio shack go to wikipedia look it up then you'll understand that but like we it's 2023 we can't even get iphones and android phones to be able to text each other and send information back and forth reliably (laughs) my printer doesn't do what i ask it to do on the first time ever like ever and like how often do you have to go reset your wi-fi router to make something work in your house and this dude uses a piece of technology that is so incredibly outdated by our standards and hacks into the most sophisticated piece of hardware that any of them have ever known and just makes it look like it ain't no thing. And um, so I've always kind of been like, Oh, get the hell out of here with this at that part of the movie. <laughs> but again, I actually don't care. And I love this movie. So I allow it. It's, it's one of those things that's like, like earlier in the movie, we saw aliens just decimate, downtown los angeles and the white house and you get these like literally ridiculous explosions that cause cars to fly through the air like you you know like it i think it just adds to like the looniness and like just uh, like understandable absurdity of this whole thing uh that he's hacking into them um but the thing that i like about the whole thing is that it feels very real like this is how 
the world and people would really, I would hope, respond to an alien threat that like we were literally just fighting for survival. Like if those were the odds, you know, two people that went to go save humanity and they were in the ship and they couldn't get out, they'd kind of just take out their cigars and understand like, yeah, this is the price we had to pay for survival. And, you know, this this other guy would be willing to drive his plane into the blue thing so he can blow up the ship like and 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 he doesn't come back later on like some crazy miracle at like the end of the movie and make everything right you know like it's it feels like yeah like they really are going for it and the people understand the stakes that they're against and and it but it's also not like over the top oh my gosh they're in the most difficult situation and they really got to sacrifice and you know it's just like yeah this is what happens this this is the reality that people would come to terms with uh to do that uh which is something that like i i was surprised that i liked because for so much when i was watching the movie like you know how you can be like overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed but you can't really be whelmed i felt like this movie just whelmed me like there wasn't one part that was like oh that's really bad or that's really disappointing and there was another part that's like that's really amazing and really incredible and, and totally blows me out of the water it was just like yeah this is that this is a thing and so like I felt like I kept waiting for the story to give me more. And it wasn't until I ended that I was like, no, it just like gave me real, it, 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 which is weird. You know, it's a, a sci-fi movie with aliens, but it, it it's it makes it feel, it makes me have a, a, an affinity for it. I'll tell you what was a real moment for me is when, um, you know, thinking back to somewhat recently, we have Jasmine uh, in the middle of an alien possibly attack she still goes to work. She's still expected <laughs> to go to work and there's like nobody there, but her boss still wants her to come to work. I think there's a lot of us, um, you know, there's at least two people on, on this uh, show right now that uh, went to work in the very early days of the pandemic when everybody else was being told to stay home. We were showing up for work to nobody coming in the door. Um, and I think there's a lot of people listening to this right now. They can remember the very early days of the of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and I guess when things started to really get sketchy in March, um, you know, just still doing your thing. Like, I, I thought that was hysterical. And it just really hit home for me in a different way, this, this watch through. You know, I... I feel like that was really funny, but also, again, like breaking down an alien sci-fi movie, I feel like there's something maybe real there that like, like, I do feel like different groups of people reacted appropriately. Like, I feel like they actually showed how different groups and different people would respond. There's people that go and they celebrate and they're up on top of the building and they're trying to welcome the aliens. Like this guy's probably thinking like, Oh geez, people are freaked out. What do they want to go do? They want to go to a strip club and eat 10 cent wings. Like, like like, you remember when wings were 10 cents. Uh, I, I do. Wednesdays. Wednesdays at a bar called Pappas's 10 cent wings and a $6 pitcher of beer. Um, (laughs) Now I think wings are $6 a piece. Right? Exactly. Um, But I feel like some of those things were, were really well done. And like, even the, the way the government responded and, you know, the surprise of there were people in the government that knew about area 51 and there were people in the government that didn't know about area 51. I do feel in, Harrison, I think you said this so well, even though this movie does have a beginning, a middle and an end, and I think it does have in terms of like action peaks and valleys, 
the story itself, I feel just it goes pretty much on a steady path, which I think is what this movie really needed. Actually, what I think is what gets me through it. And I that's why I enjoy it so much is because everybody does get their moment. Like everybody gets their moment to shine, so to speak. And everybody's equally good. Like even the small parts, like um, the the dad, I th- like he's really good in the movie. I think he delivers some really yeah. interesting lines of wisdom when he talks to the ex-wife, when he yells at everybody on Air Force One and says, like, none of you would be alive if it wasn't for David. Like, how dare you talk to him like that? Like he gets moments that actually work which is one of the things i really liked about the movie is that matt you talked about how it showed many people responding in different ways like people going up on the the top of the buildings on the helicopter pads and wait and having their signs for the aliens like we didn't need a central key character in each one of those groups trying to like connect us all to them like i feel like movies try to do now like if we're going to show you this group we got to make sure that like one of our main characters is somehow associated to this group which makes them feel like they're in too many places at once like uh i forget her the the wow names have escaped me um this this the stripper friend that went up on the roof or whatever uh like who even was she like she was just you know a co-worker that just went to the roof and that was it like like she didn't have to have a huge part in the story and like the dad never had to be anything more than just the dad yeah which just made it work do they ever actually give her does she ever call her by her name in the movie because i swear i think she only says like i can't believe i was talked into coming here today like please promise me you won't go up there i have a terrible feeling about this does she ever actually mention her friend's name not that i I have no idea yeah like (laughs) she never mentions it like ever um but you know harrison was talking about you know, explosions and, you know, everything like that. But I mean, this to me, like rewatching this movie, this before he made Transformers, Roland Emmerich was porn for Michael. <laughs> Bay, um, and w- where he developed his whole career was watching something like this. But Rob, you know, one thing that I actually do like about this again is I in this movie, because if you've seen Moonfall and I, if you've seen like 2012, I, I think those movies are where like, I mean, God forbid the limo chase in 2012 is just ridiculousness. It never felt like Emmerich in this movie, even the mass destruction never felt too much. Like I felt like Emmerich was really kind of composed in this movie. You know, I think we got enough of the, the ships over the major cities and the major landmarks. um, And you got, you know, enough of the explosions to get the idea of what's happening. Um, and I think it's smart, you know, when you think about the limitations of what they could do visually at that time and in 20 years, people are going to the same thing about movies that come out this year, but you know, they, they showed what they needed to show and then moved right on to the destruction because the story they were telling wasn't about the destruction. It was about the human response mm-hmm. and the relationships of these people and to one another and how they were willing to use their creativity, their ingenuity, just, you know, their, you know, their humanness 
to overcome this this enemy together. You know, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when they they do figure out what they're going to do and they're getting the message out through um, you know, through telegraphs and and through Morse code and and everybody's kind of like you get you get that scene I believe it's Israelis and Egyptians that are working together and that's a period in time where they weren't really getting along. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that was that's a really cool scene and I think there's um I think there's really kind of a cool message here um you know, about when, when humanity's really down, we have the ability to come together on this stuff. And, and guys, you know, we kind of saw that in the last week when, when we saw DeMar Hamlin go down on the field and and we saw a nation that just like collectively held hands together, praying for this guy to, to make it through. And it shows you just, it's a reminder of, you know, what humanity is capable of when when we put aside differences you know uh, i just it, it was it was really kind of a stark moment for me to kind of compare those t- you know this scene in that movie to that recent event that we just witnessed yeah i mean hamlin was hurt at 851 and by 6 a.m the next morning there was five million dollars in donations to his charity yeah um and you know even in you know, not just other nations in this movie, you know, just people, you know, in America, in this city that had these things happen. You know, you watch uh, Vivica A. Fox character driving that truck and picking people up, just, you know, normal people finding other normal people and just helping them. You know, like you just you saw a lot of that in this movie, even when everybody's in the bunker. um, you know, the, the two kids, Will Smith's uh, stepson and the president's daughter, you know, just kind of sitting there together and like, are you scared? Mm-hmm. And they just like sit together. Um, there was a lot of in that movie. And, and, and again, Rob, you were, you know, hit the nail on the head. The movie's not so much for me. And that's why I think this movie works where a lot of his other movies don't. Yes, there was explosions and things like he's known for. But to me, at its core, this movie is the story. It's not the special effects. It's not the spectacle. It's the story. It's the humor um, that are what make this actually a really good movie compared to his to his other disaster flicks, which I really think are are bad movies. Even think about some of the horror elements of this movie when they're in Area 51 and the the alien kind of like wakes up and attacks. You know, there's the the strobing is going to and the strobe lights are really there to hide you know, some of the, the visual effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some real horror elements at play in, in this point of the movie. And it's never like it, it doesn't really stick in that moment. We really, other than that scene, we never really get a great look at the aliens. Like we, we do in the tubes. Um, and then a little bit when they're in the mothership there, you kind of see that the Harbor master or whatever that, that one is, but you know, the, the movie doesn't focus on their ships you don't get a lot of close-ups on on the alien tech. They don't spend a lot of time on that, on the actual look of the aliens, and and it's it's the people and their stories um, is what they spend the time telling the story of. It it reminds me of Forever Ago, one of the first episodes that Matt and I recorded forever. That strangely enough, I was thinking about the other day, uh, Luke Besson's um, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, and in that episode, we talked about. Uh, how the best part of that movie is the very beginning when it shows all these different alien species coming together and, and being unified and working together, which is like a, a consistent theme in sci-fi, you know, like 
overcoming like like unification of the world to overcome aliens which is which is awesome it's a theme theme that i love one of the reasons i like sci-fi and i was continually impressed with this movie that like that was the whole thing like it didn't need more than that yeah yeah i have the spectacle and all the summer blockbuster stuff we talked about but like as far as what it was trying to do with the story it didn't try to to make any of it more than that like like even the the events with with will smith marrying jasmine or the the first lady dying like there wasn't this huge scene where the president gets overly dramatic and like goes on a revenge rage because his wife died it's just like sadly another life was lost in our fight for our life against aliens and this is a man who has to continue to lead the nation and so he's going to do that and that's what we do because we're fighting for our life against aliens and he's going to go get in a plane and, and fly. I, I don't know. It just it never made anything more than it needed to be because what needed to be was the story it was telling, which is what is the strength of the film. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I really do enjoy that wedding scene um, actually a lot. I, I think it's it's very. It's tame. But it's very, you know, I, I think it's very powerful. The fact that she sees that he's still wearing his wedding band. Um, yeah, like I, I like that scene a lot. And then, you know, I, I talked about it at the top of it. But uh, honestly, that that speech is to me, it's like out of all the movies I've ever seen where the president, not even just the president, but like, man, to me, that's one of the like movie wise it's such a cool motivating speech like i i put it up there with any of the ones that i've seen in movies because i just i love it i think it's great the president's speech of the pilots is cheesy as hell and chews up all sorts of scenery around it and i love it i absolutely love it um it is among the best uh that you can think of i mean it's I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, is there something maybe in Remember the Titans that that might be better than this that I'm not that I'm trying to think? The I, the maybe, only the only speech that I think can beat that is Idris Elba's speech in Pacific Rim when he says we're canceling the apocalypse. Other than that, I don't know what what can top this. I, I, All right, so there's there's any given Sunday. Pacino's got that really famous one. It's a game of inches, and those inches are all around you. That one's pretty good too. But I mm -hmm. still think this one's better. Th this one is is really good. Like it started, and I was like, oh, because I haven't seen this before. It started, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, like roll out the cheese. Uh, and it's and it just went and got better and it kept going and got better and better and then it ended and I like I almost stood up and started clapping with all the other people. I was like, yeah, it was really good. And, and like you started looking for an F fourteen to get into yourself. Exactly. And it, and it wasn't be and like it wasn't overly like American patriotic. It was just like human. And like I forget the line where like the Fourth of July won't won't be remembered as an American holiday, but like a human holiday mm -hmm. or whatever it says. I don't know. It just really matches the the theme and the story, and it's a rousing speech, and it it doesn't do too much. It knows when to stop. It knows when to like speak at a reasonable volume, and he knows when to really put some passion in his voice. It just it's just a solid speech through and through. It it also has the the most extra um, extra in all of movie history with that guy that does the salute at the end of it, trying to throw his shoulder out. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that guy's the only over the top part about this entire movie. He's like, I'm on screen and I'm getting this in like, yeah. And to think but, that that's the most over top part of this movie. And it's a it's, movie that has Dennis Quaid in it. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know, 
I think he's actually really good because I mean, not that the subject is funny, but the fact that he's like, he's kind of too drunk to crop dust the right state, you know, the right field and everything like that. I think his parts are funny, but then again, when he, you know, he makes that sacrifice, um, to decide that he's going to drive into the ship to blow it up. Um, I I really like his character in this movie and he goes from again, like it it doesn't seem over the top, but he goes from like drunk goofball who his kids don't want anything to do with them to he's one of the main reasons why the world still exists. Um, But again, it just was very natural to me. He's he it's interesting because there's no two characters, even even amongst the military guys and the the government people, there's no two characters that really are interchangeable. Each one feels defined differently. Um, And that's I think that's really and again, we talked about this being kind of an ensemble film that it's it's hard to say who the main character actually is. I mean, who really has the most screen time? It's it's hard to say it's it's very much a shared load by by everybody Um, going back to the the speech, though, one of the things that I would nor like any other movie, I would rip to shreds for this kind of thing. But to think that the president is just going to hop in a plane. He couldn't possibly have ever flown before. Like there's no chance that that's a plane that he's flown before. And they, they're just throwing guys who are crop dusters. They're, they're basically flying like a sop with camel out there. Like they're up there with (laughs) Snoopy and dusting crops. And, and they're going to jump into the most advanced war plane of its time and be able to just take a crash course is, is actually really ridiculous. Like, it's it's kind of like assuming that just because I can drive a four door sedan, I could just jump, you know, just hop right into a Formula One car and do <laughs> laps at Monaco. Like that, that's not. And the, and the funny thing is, like that's that's not even an accurate enough analogy because it's an even bigger leap than than my wife's Honda Odyssey to Max Verstappen's car. Like those are two completely to a to an F eighteen or an F fourteen or whatever they're using. It's such a crazy, crazy difference. And if this was with any other movie, I would destroy this. But I love this movie, so I don't care. I, I think part of the reason that you don't destroy it, though, is because the movie doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, it, it's not... <laughs> so you don't take it too seriously. You're like, yeah, whatever. They're getting in the plane. Right. Like, the drunk guy who couldn't, couldn't even get the right crops is in the plane. Yeah. And he accidentally pushes the button to fire the missile. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. That's what happens. All right. On to the next moment. Like, uh, it, th- it just isn't... It never overdoes it. It also shows the power of flight simulator for the computer because that's probably where they threw all those guys okay. on. Well, well, <laughs> well, they were cooking up the virus. They were like, "Okay, play this video game, and and this is how you fly those planes." <laughs> um, but I mean, also too for me, it's you know part of the reason why I don't care. Number one is because this movie's fun, but number two, it, it's not like all of them make it like. So it's not like they get into these planes and like maybe they can fly them so that they can get them up in the air and they can press a button to shoot, but they can't dodge in these planes. They can't do anything. They're just basically up there and they planes get ripped to shreds and, uh, you know, a lot of these people die. Um, So to me, I think that's maybe why I forgive some of it, too, um, on top of the fact that this movie's just fun is it's not like every single person survives these planes like to me that could have been a little bit more ridiculous where like everybody who went up there is surviving it's like mm, no they they're probably dead because they don't know how to really really maneuver 
Yeah, because when you go over to your friend's house and you're like, hey, let's play this game together. And you're like, oh, I've never played it before. What do the buttons do? And you're like, okay, well, this is punch. This is shoot. This is jump. And and you still wipe the floor with your friend for like hours before he finally figures out how to play it, too. And right. I, I, it's it really stretches credulity a little bit again. But I, don't, <laughs> I don't care because I love this movie. Like it, the other ridiculous thing is um, when when uh, Will Smith's character, Captain Steve, uh, volunteers to fly the, the alien craft because he's seen it in action and he knows what it can do. <laughs> All of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's got his alien ship pilot license just off of that and will easily know what all the buttons do and and how to make sure that he doesn't end up like turning the the artificial gravity off on himself or something like that because he hit the wrong button. Um, Listen, I watch a lot of hockey on TV. I I can't skate. (laughs) So it's it's always that line has always struck me as ridiculous, but really like when you get right down to it, what are the choices they have at that moment? I mean, he's a, he's a credible pilot. Um, Mm -hmm. Sure. Why not him? I I like too, that the, the movie, like you, you guys said this, um, I forget who said it, but you were saying that like, like it's an ensemble and each character has their thing. It's like each character is given enough that when then way they appear on the screen, if it's like one of the more main characters, like the president or Will Smith or Jeff Goldblum or whoever, like, yeah, I got them. But if it's a, a, someone else and they show up on screen, like they're memorable enough that maybe I don't know their name, but I know the elements that fit into their story. And like Will Smith wanted to apply f- to NASA and wanted to be in NASA. And like he gets a letter and he gets rejected. And then when he goes up in space, he's like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. And like, like two moments to add to a character bit. Mm-hmm. And I remember it and it's memorable and it's, and yeah. it's a part of his character, but it's not like the whole movie. Like he doesn't have a grudge against NASA, the whole movie. Like you might see in a modern blockbuster. I, I don't know. And like another example of that is the guy who was abducted by aliens. Like the movie never really confirms was he or was he not like, it's kind of up to you to decide. It gives you proof to see that like, Oh yeah, aliens are around. Maybe he was actually abducted or maybe he's really just crazy. I don't know. We're not sure, but you know, here he is doing a sacrifice to save humanity. And, and it, it, it like, nothing i keep saying this but it's just nothing's really overdone you know the only thing that is overdone in my opinion is the explosions and like if you are filming explosions that look that good with the amount of production design that go into that and the miniature work and all that like yeah overdo it 100 percent. i'll watch it all all day long you know even little character bits um you know thinking about uh the, the character of julius levinson david's father I think he's my favorite character in this movie, by the way, because um, he's he's fantastic. And uh, he really is. Plays him. He's he's incredible. Yeah. Um, the small bits. So, you know, when he when David's figuring out, you know, give the give the thing of a cold, um, you know, when he's talking to him about I haven't spoken to God since your mother died. We don't even know how long ago that actually was, you know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what's interesting is, is that's a, like a really cool character moment. And then they have that exchange before he goes up into space and, you know, he goes just in case. And then he hands him, um, you know, the religious symbols and, and and he says, just in case. And then later on, you see him wearing the yarmulke and, and leading a group in prayer and he's speaking Yiddish. or I, I think it was Yiddish. Um, if, if I'm incorrect on that, I apologize to anybody that, that would be upset by that. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's speaking a prayer uh, and leading a group. And, and it's it's a really interesting character moment for for him to you know, decide to renew that conversation with God again. Um, I really like that bit. Yeah. And I think too, he's, 
he really does rival the top character for me in this movie. Um, because when he's funny, it makes sense that he's funny. When he's serious, it makes sense that he's serious. And he has a lot of funny bits in this movie where, like, when they're first trying to go to Washington and he's just like, what? you think we'll get to Washington and it won't be there? Like, it's kind of funny because like, yeah, it actually might not be because these aliens are going to blow shit up. We've seen the trailers. Um, But like, also too, when he's like, oh, 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 you're going to teach them. He is like, if they want HBO, they'll call you. Like, that was awesome. (laughs) That was so funny. Um, And even, you know, like, oh, he punched the president. You punched the president? And he says it like three times before the president comes in. Um, you know, and he's funny there, but then again, like when he gets serious on the plane, um, it makes sense that he would be serious right there and defending his son and like saying, you guys knew about this and you could have done something. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like his character just has, his character always, always makes sense. I, I just, I love him in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I like, too, is that, as you guys were saying that, and I was starting to think about all the characters, is that there is enough there that you can put more in if you want to. Like, the movie doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You can if you want to. Like, maybe this is a silly example, but, like, Jeff Goldblum's character, he's always trying to, like, recycle things. He also rides a bike. He doesn't have a car because he, like, cares about being ecological and, like, is not an overtly huge part of his character like it's obvious and you notice it but it's just like yeah this is just him being who this character is uh and you know like you can extrapolate that out to mean whatever you want for the story or you can just be like okay he wants to recycle you know like like and and each character from jeff goldblum to to will smith to whomever like that character has parts to it that will go as far or as short as you want it to which I, I did not expect this movie to, and I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm saying this because, like, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, like, whatever. It's a movie, and, the, mm-hmm. and for some reason, it just kind of all comes together. Yeah, and even, you know, just a small thing with the recycling, again, like, just tiny little scenes. He talks about it, and then after he gets the idea and before they're going to go up and try and execute this plan, and he's just like, hey, you know how I'm always trying to save the world? And he just, he takes the can and he tosses it in the recycling bin, and he's like, here's my chance. And it's just like that little quirky smile. It's like, yeah, that works. It's subtle. It works. It fits with his character. And, yeah, like... Again, we just talked about it, though. Like, Will Smith is obviously the person who's, like, known for this movie. But when you're watching it, the president's memorable. Will Smith is memorable. The father is memorable. The ex-wife is memorable. The, um, I'm trying to think, Rob, who's the the general um, who is, like, doesn't want the president to fly in the plane at the end of it. And he's like, Mr. President, I'd really like to know what you're, is that the secretary? No, that's not the secretary of defense. That was, uh, he's the comment. He's uh, general William gray, the commandant of the U S Marine Corps. Like even he's got, you know, like a couple memorable scenes in the movie where I don't forget about him. I don't forget about, um, I think who it is, the secretary of defense that knew about area 51. I don't forget about his character. Like, there's so many people in this movie where it's just like, yeah, there's like nine or 10 people who are all memorable in this movie. 
and like even the, even the characters that have just a few lines like the you know i think we, we talked about it earlier the two kids you know they're both mm-hmm. great like yeah um uh uh Vivek A. Fox's uh, son. I want to. I want to grab his cheeks every time he's on screen. I want to grab. Yeah. Him. Like, I just wanna, <laughs> like, he's adorable. Like he's incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, even the characters that that don't have a ton of screen time. Thinking about Randy Quaid's kids, you know, like mm-hmm. I remember them like vividly from this movie and and each time and um, you know, the the daughter obviously there's something going on with her. Like I kind of want to know more, but I think we get enough to not no character ever overstays their welcome. No mm-hmm. character ever is on screen long enough to have a, a piece of their scene fall flat. And, and I, yeah, I, I like that, like how quickly the, the film is also willing to dispose of people when needed. Uh, and that sounds horrible to say, <laughs> but that like people die. Yeah. And, and they just die because it's the end of the world. And that's what happens. Yeah, no, and I think too that you know, like you said, it's it's just weird to say this, but they're they're good deaths in the sense that they make sense for the story, but they're not they're not played over the top. Like even the president's wife's death is very subdued, like. You know, she she goes in the hospital, he comes out and even when he is up, you know, he's upset and he says, like, I'm, you know, you're fired. It it never felt like it didn't feel over the top, like her death was it felt very necessary, but it also didn't feel. I didn't feel like some movies where I'm like, you're putting that in there to try and elicit an emotion from me and you're not getting it because there was no need for that to happen. This movie, like I'm not breaking down into tears and crying about it, but I'm like, I'm legitimately like, Oh, that that's really like, that's sad for this family. Like that's sad for the president. That's sad for the daughter. Um, but I didn't, you know, it didn't sit there and go, yeah, no, I, I don't care. I don't feel anything. There's no reason why she has to die. It doesn't add anything to the story. Um, you're trying to get people to to feel an emotion that's just not there. But you feel that emotion because you care about those characters. You see things throughout this movie that makes you like this president, that makes you like that family. So there is an emotional reaction when these things happen. And and I love that it's not like a plot point needed to like get the president to like finally do the whatever you know like it's just right she died that's so sad uh, mm-hmm. sadly we have to carry on and so they carry on yeah I I did like the fact that like they didn't have to like we didn't get a part in the movie where you know he like goes for 20 minutes or whatever in movie time and like hides off in a room. And then somebody has got to give him a speech that he still needs to be the president of the United States. Like, yeah, he's Nobody grabs like, him by the shirt calls, you're still the president. God damn it. Right. Like, no, like he understands that he's still the president of the United States and he still has to figure out like what we're going to do. I really, I actually appreciated that because usually you could see that coming a mile away where it's just, somebody's got to come in and give him that rah-rah speech to, you know, yeah, she wouldn't want you like this. You, she'd want <laughs> you to, she'd want you to fight. So, 
There's little things about the relationship between the president and his wife that I actually really like. But the first time we see them, I believe she's on the phone and she's literally nagging him. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. Like, it's I, I think in a lot of cases, um, we think of our elected officials as, you know, just like somebody you can either throw darts at on the wall or somebody that you're supposed to, you know, just make excuses for nonstop, depending on if the letter in front of their name lines up with your particular voter registration. Um and, and sometimes we forget that they're actual like real people too. Um, mm-hmm. like it's, that is an actual person that was elected into that role, like a, a human being. Um, and I, I just sort of love that he's, he's the leader of the free world and his wife still nags at him. Like mine does to me. I just <laughs> thought that was fantastic. Yeah. And it was like a cute nag too, though, because she's like, you didn't let our seven year old daughter stay up all like all night long, eating candy yeah. and watching television. Like it's not, Oh, you forgot to bring up the garbage cans or something like that. Like it's, it's cute. Like it's a cute dialogue. Yeah. So I I enjoyed it, but you know, Robert Harrison, like any, any thoughts that we haven't talked on or or touched on yet? Cause Rob, I know you had notes. I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you go first. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned about this movie that you felt strongly about? One question that I do have, um, the shielding on the ships, how does the shielding differentiate between when, uh, he's putting the can there and when a bullet's being fired there? That's something I've always tried to figure out. Like somehow the shield lets him put the can there and the scientists can work on it and stuff like that. But when he goes to shoot it, that's when it knows to stop that. That's one thing I've always kind of wondered about this movie. Again, if I didn't love this movie so much, I would completely rip that uh, apart, but um, I don't know. Was there something that I was missing there or did, uh, did you guys not notice that? Or am I, am I imagining? No, I have the same question. Right, yeah. I, I thought maybe it just has to do with the fact that like, there's no threat from putting something on, like it can't recognize that putting a can on the ship is a threat, but it recognizes a bullet, but that's like, that is reaching. Yeah. The only other thing that I'm kind of wondering too. So the, uh, the uh, uh, Area 51 craft, um, they believe that crashed sometime in the 50s. And uh, it's kind of funny because they just get in this thing and they fly it back into the mothership, um, you know, without any kind of like hope that this is actually like without any reason to think this is going to work. The only thing this scene is really missing is an alien with a British accent in a gray uniform saying to another alien, it's an older code, sir, but it checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Terrible inventory kept by these aliens. No, (laughs) this thing doesn't have like a VIN number that they're scanning to go. Oh, hey, this one's been missing for 40 years. I wonder what's going on with that. This is a little strange that it's just coming back into service. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that I totally agree with that. Uh, Harrison, any other points that you uh, that we haven't uh, talked on? Uh, just two that I want to mention. I, I just I was looking at this for the budget for this film. Seventy five million dollars, which doesn't sound like a, a lot for movies nowadays. But but this was made in 1996 from like f- a fairly yep. kind of no name director with an original idea. And uh, he was given $75 million. And I think it's uh, incredible to watch probably how much of that went to just absolute destruction. Like, I still, 
Mm-hmm. I have known about the scene. Is it the Empire State Building? I forget what building it is. Whatever building it is, so, yeah. it's a building that gets blown up and then like the flame comes through the mm-hmm. the street. I, I've known about that forever. I studied it in film school. Like that's an iconic scene, and it it's inc- it's it, it's technically and visually really impressive. And for no other reason, I just liked watching the carnage. That it was you know, you know there were times when we talked about this at the beginning, it didn't look great, and I don't know if that was a 4K transfer or something else is going on. But for the most part, the explosions and the fire and the destruction that was done with the miniatures and and the props is is good to watch. And and I, I and like I miss watching that. I, I was full aware that this was miniatures and props the entire time, but it was it was fun to watch. In an example that I've been thinking about this whole time, because I was listening to your guys' episode on John Wick, uh, on John Wick 3, probably the worst digi-double we've ever seen at the end of that movie. Uh, yeah. Don't want to say too much to spoil it if people haven't seen it, but but yeah. but I cannot believe that a movie that is devoted to real stunts and effects has that CGI double. And comparing that with Will Smith when he's coming down in his parachute and that dummy that is like obviously a dummy <laughs> that hits the ground and its knees go up through its chin you know like <laughs> it is it, everyone knows it's a dummy but it's funny and like i love how dummyish it is it, it makes it like i'm endeared to it and it, it's obvious they're not trying to fool you that it's Will Smith but would i rather have that dummy with no knees or the digi double. I'd have the dummy every day. Like, like take John Wick <laughs> that that movie. Just chuck a dummy off the building instead, and I'd rather watch that. <laughs> I I agree with that. Um, right after that is one. Uh, there's a scene I really want to talk about. Um, Will Smith's Captain Stephen Hiller uh, dragging the alien through the desert, mm. complaining about his smell <laughs> with his dreadlocks hanging to the out of the back of his parachute. Is, in my opinion, the one of, if not the most classic and iconic scene of any movie from the 90s. Fight me. Yeah. Yeah. Fight me on it. Yeah. Like, I I think him just yelling at it, saying that he could be barbecuing right now. um, Yeah. I... It's it's actually not even that long. It's maybe 10 or 15 seconds. It's it's um, so funny. If you time it. And it's... Yeah. It's probably, in my opinion, one of the most iconic scenes any film of the nineties. Yeah. It's yeah. No, iconic. I mean, it's a, it's uh, a highly qu- quotable line. I, I could have been at a barbecue. Like it's, yeah, it's great. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to say that I, that I just loved, and maybe it's more so now retroactively looking back, um, you know, w- Will Smith and uh, Jeff Goldblum are just kind of like sex symbols of that time. And I I really like how this movie kind of just like let that happen in like a and not like a not like a Jurassic Park scene where Jeff Goldblum's like nearly shirtless type thing, you know, but but they just like <laughs> let it be the way that it was. And it, I don't know, it just is like part of the 90s. And I liked that it was in the movie. You know, I'm a I'm a heterosexual male that's, that's happily married, but I like that it's in the movie. <laughs> and listen, you may be cool, 
but you'll never be Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum in flight suits walking away from an explosion through the desert, smoking cigars. Cool. No. You will never be that cool in your entire I life. I will never I don't have care that swagger. No. Jeff Goldblum's walk, no. you know, the little hip here and there, I could never. Never. I'll tell you what, too, for the limited amount of time that they had on screen, their chemistry was off the charts. Very good. Oh, yes. Yeah, they were great together. Um, they had a couple of their, you know, they were arguing a little bit back and forth and the the whole oops thing that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are guys that are, are actually very, very talented comedic actors, like very talented. And they worked, they paired very well together. Yeah, it makes me wish we would have gotten more of them. Um, One thing I still have never understood. Yeah, this, I mean, I haven't seen the second one either, but if I remember right, Jeff Goldblum's in it, but Will Smith is not. Am I correct? Yeah, so, okay, so neither of you have seen the second movie? No. Okay, um, if you want to hate your life for a couple of hours, watch <laughs> it. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of Matt Goes to the Movies. Oh, yeah, man. so Don't give many ideas, Harrison, because now I'm gonna have to watch it. Oh man. Yeah, it Great. is when's that on the schedule? Right. Yeah. Um I honestly it is so it's weird. I watch these back to back just to say like I mean we it's not on the schedule, like all kidding aside, like we haven't talked about it. Um but I watched them back to back because I have both of them and I was like, let me just rewatch resurgence and see if maybe watching them together and it's like it makes it even worse watching them so close together to go oh okay all of the charm all of the likable characters everything about the first one and the second one goes yeah we'd rather just kick you in the balls 52 times like So what you're saying, man, All is right. that my my plan for um, what I have planned to do at the Basin Binge, as we, we binge movies over there, so, you know, I'll take a series and binge it. I have a plan forever because someone gave me Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence together, and they've sat on my show for years <laughs> now, never never watched either one, but I've always planned one of these one of these years at the Basin Binge for the 4th of July, we're going to watch Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence, and... Uh, Maybe I should just cancel those plans indefinitely. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it took 20 years. This movie that I still have never really figured out. I I questioned this on the first watch through and and every subsequent time I've seen it. What exactly were they trying to do with the welcome wagon? So they take the this helicopter and they strap these lights on where the rockets used to be. And they they flash a series and they don't even say like what what the message is they're trying to convey or like, or what language they're using to try to convey it in. But like, 
what what if like that particular light sequence is the alien equivalent of like flipping them the bird? Like, what were they trying to do? Like, how were they hoping to communicate? I've never really understood what they were hoping to accomplish there. And apparently it was the equivalent of them flipping the aliens the bird because they blow them up. So, I, I mean, to me, that, that the, the whole thing started because, yeah, we, we weren't uh, fluid in alien sign language. We should have done a little bit more research. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that the whole time. Like, like, because before it shows you that it slides, it's like, we're going to try and go send a signal. I was like, what are they going to do? Like, and then they just start flashing <laughs> lights. I'm like, who came up with this? What is this? It's not Morse code. It, what, what language is this? Meanwhile... Yeah, the aliens use light-based energy technology as their weapons, so they could have thought they were under attack. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, guys, any final thoughts before we get into our overall rating of this movie? Um, I just have to mention that I love Harvey uh, Fairstein's character. He just His voice is hilarious, and just had to be, I got to call my lawyer. Well, forget the lawyer. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, if you're going to have that character, have it be Harvey. It's great. All right. Well, we'll get into our popcorn time review here, and I will go first. For me, this movie, uh, since day one that I saw it, every subsequent rewatch, and even today, this movie has and will always be a five bucket movie for me. Um, is it a hundred percent perfect? No, it is not, but it is fun. It has emotion and it's, it's just, it's a good time. Every time I've watched this movie, I mean, this movie came out in 1996. We are in 2023. I've probably seen it at least 15 times. And every single time I sit down, I watch this movie I have a blast just like I did the first time seeing it. So for me, this is a five. Easily a five. Never in doubt that it was a five. Um, it's among the movies I've probably rewatched the most in my life. Um, you know, in the, in the late nineties into the early two thousands, like whatever you had at home was what you could watch. I mean, you could go to the video store to rent something, but it wasn't like super easy. It's not like now I've got, hundreds of thousands of hours of entertainment that I can just hold my remote to my mouth and speak what I want. I don't even have to look for it. It finds it for me. Um, so at a time where I had what I had, um, this was a movie that I rewatched over and over on VHS um, because I was always going to be happy every time it was on. There were lines that I would look forward to. There were characters who I would look forward to when they were on screen. And, um, you know, it's probably been probably at least 10 years since I've seen this movie. Um, I enjoyed it just as much, uh, tonight as I did the first time I watched it. Uh, for me, I'm going to be the outcast here. It's just, it's four buckets for me. And I feel kind of guilty for saying that, that I'm not joining you at five, but the reason why I think is mainly because I don't have the nostalgia for it. I've never seen it before. Uh, it's not because it's bad. It's just because it's not a five yet. And, and it's four and it's a really good four. And it, to me, it feels like in a completely different way, but this is the best thing I can compare it to, uh, the movie fifth element, that movie's whack. 
but the only thing that can deliver you fifth element when you want to watch fifth element is fifth element. And, and I feel like independence day has like put itself in my brain where it's like, you want this, you got to watch independence day. And I totally can see myself wanting it and watching it again and enjoying it and laughing at the dummy and Will Smith complaining about the smell and enjoying the explosions and, you know, getting kind of, and, and maybe standing up and clapping with the president. Maybe I'll stand up next time, but because it's good. It, it really is. I, I was, I was worried as the movie kind of started and it wasn't like really just exciting me and like living up to like this. I don't know. Sometimes when you watch old movies from the nineties and, and like you don't have that nostalgia, it's this weird feeling where you're like, you got to feel what this, you would have felt if you were watching it as a kid, which you just never will. And so when that wasn't happening, I was like, oh, no, like I'm going to go on this podcast and complain and like I'm not going to like it. And then they're not going to like me. And and then, then it was just like, no, it's all right. It's a good movie. Calm down. Like, just watch the movie. It's good. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, no, it's uh I mean, maybe if you eventually turn on me and say that you don't like The Last Jedi, then I won't like you. But. <laughs> no, I will. I will defend that forever. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I will have to say though, I as because again, because I was listening to your John Wick episodes, I do have to agree that the throne room scene you get serious pumping arms of people, but nonetheless, I will defend The Last Jedi forever. <laughs> so that'll do it for for our independence day review um a lot of january is devoted like we talked about to will smith uh we will be following up with men in black hancock i am legend and we are going to be ending with wild wild west which should be a very interesting watch through um i've got three or four beverages of choice lined up for that day to help get me through it. Um, and we will go from there. But uh, Harrison, before I have Rob talk about what I know is his most anticipated thing that we're doing in January. Um, it's been a while. You're starting to get back into the swing of things. What is going on at the basement binge for listeners that listen to this show and, and click on the links that we put in to, to see what's happening at the basement binge. You know, what is happening at the basement binge? I haven't known for months. Um, but what I think is happening moving forward is finally releasing, uh, the two episodes that remain of our, our transformers binge the last night that was just released. And then bumblebee, which will be released, uh, probably tomorrow and uh then st at this weekend i'm going to see puss in boots in theaters and that will be the official start of animation hall of fave three uh which means that the how to train your dragon series that we the three of us reviewed together from from literally a year january last year from animation hall of fave two that never came out will finally come out because those episodes were amazing uh but so if you don't know what animation hall of fave is it's just i have a love for animation and uh, every year at the beginning of the year, during the months of January, February, and sometimes into March, just go back and enjoy some of my favorite animated movies and uh, find new animated favorites and, and just have a, a few months devoted to the wonderful format of animation. Uh, so we got some old episodes from How to Train a Dragon that's got to come out a year late. I cannot believe it's a year late, uh, but better late than ever. And uh, then I have no idea what the other movies are going to be after that, but they're going to be animated and they're going to be great. And I'm excited to talk about them. So maybe I'll say that if you have some animated movies that you want to me to review and Matt and Rob to join me with at the base and binge, uh, send me an email binge basement and gmail.com. You can also find me on uh, 
Instagram binge basement. Uh, get in contact any way you can and uh, recommend us some good animated movies because uh, that's what's happening next. Very cool. Rob, do you want to close us out with, um, like I said, I believe your probably most anticipated thing, maybe that we've done in a while. Not that you haven't, you know, enjoyed what we've been doing, but I, I know how you feel about what's coming up. You already announced we were doing Wild Out West. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. You wanted me to announce that we are covering HBO's The Last of Us. Uh, we are planning to uh, do rapid reaction shows uh, Sunday night. Um, so depending on how late you stay up, um, you will be able to listen to it on Sunday night or you will be able to download it when you get up in the morning on Monday and listen to it on your way to work or school or whatever side quests you might have planned for yourself. Um, the show right now is getting unbelievable reviews critically uh, before it has even launched. Um, I've seen things earlier today that are calling it the best video game adaption that they have ever seen. I've seen that IGN has given it a nine out of 10 for the entire first season. Uh, people cannot praise this show enough online that have already seen it. Uh, I can't wait because it is an adaption of the game that I put number one on our top 100 video games of all time. Uh, it's got one of the most compelling stories of a game I've ever seen. And uh, what we're going to do for listeners who are interested, if you're in, if you're interested in the show, you want to check the show out and you want to listen to our, our recaps. Obviously we, uh, we have both played the game all the way through and love it. Uh, but we are going to uh, be very careful not to spoil anything uh, that would be known to people who are gamers and have played the game, but not necessarily known to people who are only just trying to enjoy the show and not have anything spoiled. So uh, feel free to listen in and not have to worry that you're going to have something ruined or a big moment spoiled uh, because we shared something that happened in the game. We are going to uh, dance around that. Uh, very carefully so as not to ruin the enjoyment of uh, watching the show for anybody who's not necessarily going to run out and play the game. But if you are a gamer, um, you can pick it up now. It's on, you know, they re-released it. They did a remaster of it, or you can find the original version of it pretty cheap online used if you want. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, that'll be every Sunday for the entire first season uh, on top of the uh, Will Smith uh, Marathon. Yeah, I am super excited. Uh, everything about The Last of Us says that it is going to be an absolute hit. So I am extremely looking forward to that. Uh, and Harrison, I have one suggestion for animated. Um, if you have never watched it, or if you have, uh, the movie Nine. Oh, is that the one with like a little puppet looking thing? I've never seen it. Oh, yeah, yes. that is good. Okay. Yes. All right. It's on the list. That. That is my suggestion, uh, 2009 release. Um, so listeners, thank you so much. Um, just like Harrison said, check out his show notes um, inside this episode to link to all of his social media accounts and the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, on YouTube, and we will catch you very, very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.